0: Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to
2: your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life
1: message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Tuesday morning on June 20th. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo, filling in for my sister in Christ, Satamio here on Catholic Connection. So I'm going to share with you real quick a, a show quote. I do a show quote on my own show to Epiphany, which is on Ave Maria Radio at 12 noon Eastern time, Monday through Friday. I always start my show with a show quote. So I'm going to share with one with you here on Catholic Connection. And this is from St. Margaret of Cortona. In times of desolation, God conceals himself from us so that we can discover for ourselves what we are without him in times of desolation god conceals himself from us so that we can discover for ourselves what we are without him saint Margaret of cartona and as a um, communications evangelist uh uh I'm a self-proclaimed communications evangelist, but I'm also a coach. I do leadership and life coaching, Christian coaching, and I always like to pose questions. I have question-guided conversations with my clients all the time, and and when I share a show quote, I also share a coach's question of the day, and 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 tied to this uh, quote of the day from Saint Margaret, I ask you, you know, what is God revealing to you? You know, what is he showing to you? How is God revealing himself to you? And it ties into having those epiphany moments, those aha moments. And so in times of desolation, when God conceals himself from us so that we can discover for ourselves what we are without him, what is life without God? Ask yourself that question. What is life without God? What is is he revealing in your life? What truth is he shining on your life when you're without him? That's my coach's question of the day. What is life without God? We have a very packed hour here on the EWTN Hour on Ave Maria Radio and Catholic Connection. And uh, I'm glad you're joining with us, and it's great to fill in for Teresa. Melissa Kirking is joining us, Jesus and Me, talking with my greatest friend. It's a passionate children's Eucharistic adoration expert with more than two decades of experience preaching children to meet and know Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. And it heart's work to bring as many children as possible to spend time with our Eucharistic Lord in adoration. And I always encourage uh, my listeners on Epiphany after I share that show quote and the coach's question to take the Bible and take your journal to adoration and go pray and meditate and ask the Lord to reveal truth to you. And as you monitor, uh, pose these questions to yourself, you ask the Lord to guide you in answering them, right? So what is the Lord showing you what life is like without him? You know, when times of desolation, sometimes God conceals himself from us so that we can discover for ourselves what we are without him. So, what is life for you like without God? Because that's what we're experiencing in the world today. So many people have removed God <clears throat> from their lives and they wonder why there's so much chaos going on in the world. We're going to bring that back and we can bring that prayer back and that question that we're posing of ourselves to adoration. And I, it's, I, I'm looking forward to talking with Melissa Kirking here this morning about Jesus and me, talking about my greatest friend. Adoration is such an, um, an important experience for all of us, to Catholics, to sit in silence with the Lord. Because we know we could hear his voice the loudest in the silence. So we'll talk about her background as a Catholic elementary school teacher to inspire her to write this book and how it's helping children understand how they can and why they should be praying to Jesus and how can parents encourage children to see Jesus as a divine friend as John Paul II encouraged us to do so. How do you help kids understand the four types of prayer, adoration, gratitude, contrition, and petition, right? we we adore god we are grateful for what the gifts he's given up to us we you know i ask for forgiveness right we go to confession and then we petition for help we ask for prayers And she'll share with us some tips for parents on taking young children to Eucharistic adoration. I I am very blessed as a parent who was able to send my daughter to Catholic school that she was exposed to adoration at a very young age. Even though I went to Catholic school, I was not. And I'm very happy to say in her Catholic school experience, she was. And she's on a high school campus right now where they have Catholic adoration readily available to all the students if they want to go sit and pray. And they have a beautiful um, adoration chapel and Grotto, it just, it, it's it's such a blessing. And then also joining us here on Catholic Connection in, in this national hour, EWTA national hour, Michael New will be joining us, senior associate scholar from the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And we'll be talking about a new Gallup uh, poll that came out on abortion that just came out on June 14th last week. And what are some of the highlights of what it means to a pro-life movement? You know, the, these research studies, these tools, you know, I, as a former full reporter, I was with X and research and tools. I use Gallup as well my professional life. Is, is a little bit of public like, information for corporate America. use Gallup, it's a great tool. And so I think people gave telling her the assessments, is I think, very good. It's a former research and helps people reach their goals and close their gaps with this research and data about themselves, about their God-given talents. It helps them understand these talents God has given them and how they can go out there and be the best versions of themselves, live up to their greatest potential in their personal life and their professional life. So we'll be talking about this Gallup research study as well. Uh, uh, here on action. We're approaching a seven minute hour on Path of Connection again. I'm Vanessa Denhagaro, filling in for my dear sister in Christ, and Tommy Oak. And it's now time for the news. Taking a look at the weather forecast across the country, it is a high of 85 degrees right here in Detroit, Michigan, looking a bull in the Midwest. Chicago 91 looking Orleans I really uh, credit my dad because of his strong faith, he was a daily mass goer. He was so strong in his faith that it really impacted my life and my own faith journey because he didn't preach it. my dad lived it. He truly lived a, a faithful life and uh, loved Jesus Christ and taught us uh, prayer and taught us um, about having a relationship with Christ. I saw it with my own eyes. So uh, those stories are so important. So think about those, your own personal stories that you could share with other people when we engage in critical conversations about the faith and what's going on in the culture. It is eight minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo filling in for Teresa Tamio, and now it's time for the news. Well, looking at the forecast across the country, I'll just highlight some major cities across the country today. A high of 65 degrees and rainy in Sault Ste. Marie. That's in northern Michigan. And then in Detroit, I have 75 and rainy skies throughout. It's going to be raining throughout the whole day today. And if we look at the West Coast, a uh, high of 72 in Seattle uh, with partly sunny skies, high of 66 degrees in San Francisco, and we look at Las Vegas, a high of 95 degrees, and uh, Los Angeles, a high of 70. Phoenix, Arizona, it's going to get to 100 degrees and sunny skies today. And we've to looked down south a little bit in Houston, Texas, a high of 100 degrees today. New Orleans, going to be rainy, but a high of 95. Dallas, Texas, sunny, and a high of 95. Tampa, Florida, a high of 94. 88 in Miami. Jacksonville, 85. Atlanta, 79. And Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, a high of 70, 87 degrees, rainy all day. In Washington, a high of 85. New York, a high of 81. Buffalo, New York, 69 degrees. And in Boston, 77 in cloudy skies. Tens of thousands of homes and businesses still have no power this morning after severe weather swept across the south. At last check, more than 110,000 customers were without power. Alabama is the hardest hit with more than 40,000 power outages, while power is still down for thousands more in Florida, Georgia, Mississippi. Tornadoes, high winds, and large hail prompted more than 250 storm reports on Wednesday. A woman is under arrest after allegedly stabbing a mother who was pushing her toddler in a stroller in Brooklyn. Scott Pringle has more.
3: The unprovoked attack happened at Jay and Tillery Streets in downtown Brooklyn Monday afternoon. Police say a woman approached a mother and threatened to harm her three-year-old, and that's when the mother stepped between her toddler and the stranger. The stranger then whipped out a knife and plunged it into her chest multiple times before taking off. The woman was arrested Wednesday and charged with attempted murder. The mother is expected to recover.
1: While the Supreme Court decides that President Biden's student debt forgiveness plan is constitutional, Republicans are rolling out a plan of their own. The GOP has introduced the Lowering Education Costs and Debt Act in the Senate, a package of bills aimed at keeping down the ever-increasing cost of higher education. The plan unveiled Wednesday would make institutions be more transparent about the cost of attending. It would also simplify loan repayment options and help low-income borrowers with low balances, receive forgiveness soon. Newt Gingrich predicts President Biden's alleged corruption will put Donald Trump back in the White House. Speaking on the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show, the former Republican Speaker of the House claimed he's never seen such corruption in the Oval Office before.
4: They're going to go down in history as probably the most scandal-ridden administration in American history.
1: Republicans have been looking into whether the Biden family profited off of their influence with foreign governments. Texas is cracking down on the deadly opioid fentanyl by increasing the criminal penalties for drug dealers. Trey Thomas has more.
5: Governor Greg Abbott signed the bill Wednesday. He says they want drug dealers to be scared to sell fentanyl.
1: Any
6: person who causes a death by unlawfully manufacturing or delivering fentanyl can be prosecuted
4: for murder in the state
5: of Texas. Abbott also signed a bill that gets more Narcan to schools and colleges. The drug can be quickly applied to prevent an overdose death. I'm Trey Thomas.
1: Lawmakers are introducing a new bill to protect TikTok users' information. Six senators and two members of the House of Representatives say the Chinese-owned app poses serious security risks to the data of Americans. Senators say the bill would stop the app from sending personal information to China. TikTok is denying the claim of improper data use and says it spent more than $1.5 billion on security measures. Daniel Penny is being indicted by a grand jury in connection to two deadly subway chokeholds. Lisa G reports. News for New York is reporting that Penny was indicted on a second-degree manslaughter charge in the death of Jordan Neely. Penny was initially arrested on manslaughter charges in connection to Neely's death last month. The Marine is accused of using a deadly chokehold on Neely, who had mental health challenges, after Neely was allegedly threatening riders. Lisa G., New York. Washington State is taking action to make breast cancer exams more affordable. A new state law requires health insurers that cover certain breast cancer exams, including MRIs, to not require patients to share the cost on these tests. That also includes diagnostic mammograms and ultrasounds for anyone if cancer is suspected. Starbucks employees are accusing the coffee giant of taking down Pride-themed decorations. Starbucks Workers United claims it's happening in 21 states. The union says the decorations are being removed due to safety concerns, but the company has denied the claims. seattle based Starbucks alleges that it's unaware of any stores banning decorations related to Pride Month and adds the only place where decorations are not allowed is on the front windows. Americans are waiting longer to get married. Bree Tennis has more.
2: The Center for Family and Demographic Research says couples have flipped that traditional plan of getting married and building a life together. The study shows young adults are now building that life first and looking for a family later. In the 1950s, the average Average age for a groom was 23, 20 for a bride. In 1980, the average male was married by age 25. The U.S. Census says today that groom is 30. And that's also the age for couples to start having babies. That's the highest age on record. I'm Bree Tennis.
1: It is 14 minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo filling in for Teresa Tamia. When we come back, Father Mitch Pacwa will be joining us.
0: This Ave Maria program is brought to you in part by the nonprofit CMF Curo. Your search for affordable health care stops here. Since 2014, CMF Curo has provided Catholics with affordable health care sharing that goes beyond insurance. With programs that cost less than many COBRA and ACA-sponsored plans, CMF Curo is a Catholic health sharing experience that enables you to live fully alive while saving money. Call 1-833-GET-CURO to find affordable Catholic health care now. That's
5: 1-833-GET-CURO. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. This July 4th from Angel Studios, who
7: brought you His Only Son and the Chosen, comes a true story of courage and redemption. Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the true events of a dangerous mission to save young, innocent lives. A story that shares hope and the power of human resilience. Sound of Freedom, rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Only in theaters July 4th.
1: I'm very passionate about adoration. I, 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 like, I love going. Um, my mom used to have a regular Thursday hour adoration uh. And I used to take her all the time. She doesn't have it regularly scheduled anymore, but we do go to Adoration regularly. And I'm very, I said earlier, blessed as a a mom. Uh, who was able to send her daughter to Catholic school, that she was exposed to adoration at a young age. And I wasn't, and I, I wasn't exposed until I got older. But I'm so happy that Melissa Kirkig is joining us today, Kirking, and she is the author of the book Jesus and Me, talking with my greatest friend, a passionate children's Eucharistic adoration expert with more than two decades of experience bringing children to meet and know Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us here on Catholic Connection.
2: Thank you, Vanessa. I'm delighted to be here.
1: So what inspired you to pen this book?
2: So I would
1: say it started
2: when I was a Catholic school teacher. um, Twenty, 28 years ago, I was um, teaching first grade. And, you know, adoration back then was not, was not the norm, was not something that was seen at Catholic schools and the Mm -hmm. priest. Um, asked us to bring our children to First Friday Adoration. And I admit, my first response was, what? You want me to bring my busy, wiggly first graders into this
1: quiet, reverent event? Yeah.
2: And kind of, it kind of made me go, whoa.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, like, how's that going to work? <laughs> yeah. How's that going to work? I know uh, yeah. The, the yeah.
2: You know, and I had 32 kids. And yeah. I was yeah. like, you know, but... You know, that's what our priest asked us to do and I was like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out and um and so I started taking the children. We would do like ahead of time some some reflections their experiences to kinda get us ready to go and then mm-hmm. we would go into adoration for about fifteen minutes. And the first time I walked in with the kids, you know, I was a little nervous, but it was so beautiful. It just, it just, it planted in me this desire to bring children to adoration. Once I saw how the children experienced it that first time, there was such, there were there was reverence, there was wiggles, there was, but there was such love for Jesus. And I even had one child go, I felt him hug me. And it quickly became something my children looked forward to. It was like, you know, counting down to being able to go and see Jesus in this special way. And, you know, with that experience, that's when God gave me like this this desire, this deep desire in my heart to bring as many children as I could to Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. I just love okay. it. And so, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, and that kind of, you know,
2: led to creating Material for children that was age appropriate in ways that because there are not many adults, right? And so no. you know we have to approach it to where it, it's it's not to where that they are comfortable going and they make the connections that are age appropriate to make them to not to make them, but to lead them into that relationship with Jesus. And so, you -hmm. know, doing things in a child appropriate way, child friendly way is kind of kind of fed me through the years um, up into this book.
1: So uh, Jesus and me talking with my greatest friend is the book uh, by Melissa Kirking. Uh, Melissa, and it's by Ascension uh, Press, right? Is it essential? Yes, it prop? is. Okay, we'll have it at the uh, net bookstore as well. But how? So tell us how. Walk us through this book. How can we use this book to help young children understand how and why they need to pray to Jesus?
2: Okay, so one, the, there's the book is broken down. It does have eighty prayer prompts within it, color coded. It it talks about um, the four basic prayer. Ways we pray, pray to Jesus, praise. Being, okay. Okay. I was just contrition, being sorry is only way. Um, Thanksgiving and asking Jesus, but it, it does begin the book with a section of what is prayer, and it's talking to your divine friend, and it makes comparisons for children of talking to their earthly friends, and the way you would talk to an earthly friend is very similar to the way you would talk to a divine friend. And I think Mm -hmm. making that connection for a child really helps because it can can talk about being praised, for example, is complimenting Jesus. And we compliment our friends when we see something neat about them. Or if we hurt our friends' feelings or we bump up against them and and knock them down, we tell them we're sorry, which is contrition. Um, I think it's important, too, for children to know that Jesus is always there for them he always wants to help them always wants to guide them talk and listen to them and he's never too busy um Mm -hmm. and i think that's a very important thing for children to know and and the book talks about that and the book also talks about how jesus wants to lead you to ultimate happiness in heaven and so all of those are ways to draw the children into prayer draw the children into understanding that it's It's not, it's a conversation and he's, he's your divine friend. He's the friend that's never gonna, he, he's your friend that's God. He's never gonna, never gonna want to, to not be with you. He always wants to be with you.
1: So, uh, Melissa, uh, we have a couple of minutes before we have to take a break. I want to ask you, uh, you know, St. Pope John Paul II encouraged us to uh, see Jesus as a defined friend, right? So, yeah. we encourage our children to do that, uh, I love the fact that you said that he's never too busy. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think that's such a great message for all of us, right? As parents, even as parents. God is not busy. He's there. But how do you help kids understand the four types of prayer when it comes to adoration, gratitude, contrition? and petition i mean that's something we as adults need to be reminded of too
2: right and i think there's just you know constantly um you know finding areas in your life to reinforce it and and talk about it and you know model it ourselves Um, and sometimes it takes just a little bit and the book will actually tell you to pick one from each area but also Mm -hmm. the recognition that, you know, maybe your heart is hurting and you just want to pour your heart out to Jesus. But it does talk to you about trying to hit one of each kind, and it gives the examples. so it gives a starting point for the children to, to not have to worry about, well, what is praise? What do I need to say? It has 20 prompts for you to spark that conversation with Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jesus and me, talking with my greatest friend, with the author of the book, Melissa Kirking, joining us, longtime elementary school teacher. What tips, uh, a couple minutes before we have to take a break and we'll come back and finish this conversation with you, but can you briefly give us some tips for parents on taking children to Eucharistic adoration from your own personal experience? Like, how do we start this process?
2: I think we start with holy minutes, right? Mm. We don't expect our children to go in all you know for that whole hour that is you know considered i guess normal i mean even sometimes me i go in for a holy holy minutes i may not have an hour to spend with jesus but you know if i i would rather go spend a few minutes with him than none at all during the day and i think again that's the same with our earthly friends you know we'd rather have you know 10 minutes with our friends to say hi and chat a minute than not see them at all and so the book gives an explanation of what adoration is. So I think we talk to our kids about what adoration is and what we do in adoration. And the book kind of gives that. But I think we need to make really clear to, G- to the children that Jesus is truly present in adoration, that he is um, He's just as present as when he walked the earth with the disciples and help children to know where to look in adoration that he is the white circle in the middle of the monsters so that there is no confusion as to where where jesus is
1: mm-hmm. um i well, think- melissa, we gotta go take a break we're i okay. apologize i cut you off we gotta take a break the author of the book jesus and me talking with my greatest friend we're going to continue this conversation with melissa right after the break don't go away
3: What is a bromance? I'm Chuck Gattica, and this is Journey Strong. This word bromance is used by younger men to describe close friendships with other young guys. You know, the guys who man hug and chest bump? Let's face it. Generally, women can make friends more easily than men. My wife can make a new friend coming out of the ladies' room. While this may be tougher for guys, younger men now reflect that their close male-to-male friendships are getting deeper and growing. Many guys who only seem to communicate with crude jokes to each other are now more open to sharing, being vulnerable and authentic with each other. This is likely good news for so many reasons, including emotional and mental health. Developing close male bonds includes sharing much about life. Being a good listener is a key to a strong buddy relationship, too. Check out the Journey Strong tab for more on this at the homepage of AveMariaRadio.net.
4: Father Benedict Groeschel. In the church, we speak of seven gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, loyalty, courage, and reverence or fear of the Lord. When I speak about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and these gifts come, they give you the ability to go beyond your strength. If you're struggling to be a good person, a good member of your religion, you know it's a struggle and you don't always make it. I've been at it many, many decades, and I still struggle and trip and fall and have holes in my socks. Struggling to be a good person, something that we need help at. And this help comes to us by these gifts of the Holy Spirit.
7: EWTN, live truth. Live Catholic.
1: We're back here on Catholic Connection. Vanessa Denha Garmo filling in for my dear sister, Teresa Tamia. We'll be talking with Melissa, the author of Jesus and Me, talking with my greatest friend. Uh, And before we went to break, Melissa, you were giving us tips uh, for parents about taking their kids to Eucharistic adoration. Let's finish that up and we'll continue about this wonderful book.
2: Okay, sure. Um, So we were talking, Vanessa, that there's a spot in the book that explains what adoration is. And I think, you know, to kind of have those frequent reminders as we go into adoration, um, help reinforce that for the child. And also um, that when your child goes in, right, you kind of need to have a plan prior to entering adoration as to what your child will do. And so because you can't, when they walk in, they need that guidance. They need that, that kind of a plan as to what they're going to pray and what they're going to do until they can self-do that themselves. But you might talk to them about picking prayers from the book. Um, you need to especially ask the children, remind the children that they need to spend at least a minute or two, depending on the age appropriateness, and draw you no know, longer as they get older to listen to Jesus. Because part of conversations is is listening to what the other person has to say. And and so children need to give Jesus a chance to listen to them. Um, And the book talks to the kids about how to listen, how to kind of clear your mind, because we live in such a busy world that it's hard just to clear our mind and to be still. And also how Jesus talks. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what, this is my love. So I can go on and on, but yeah. you can even, you can even take your little, your little kids. I just thought I, I'd, I'd share that when my youngest son was like two and a half, three, he would just sit on my lap in adoration and literally it was holy minutes. We were there three or four minutes, but you know, just there's something about sitting in the presence of love with the love of a parent there mm-hmm. um, and, and sitting like I, I experienced that as an adult. Um, I went to adoration with my dad once at a conference and I just kind of leaned up against him and he put his arm around me. And I remember feeling so loved by my dad and recognizing I was sitting in front of the source of love. Mm. Um, and it was a beautiful experience.
1: Yeah, that that I love that. That is beautiful, and you know, tell us about the target audience. I mean, I I personally think I love this for myself. I'll be honest with you, Melissa. <laughs> uh, but tell us about when you wrote the book. Who is the target audience?
2: So the target audience is like seven to twelve, um, and and I I'm with you, Teresa. Because this is I mean Teresa Vanessa. Sorry, it's okay. With, <laughs> I'm with you on this one because a lot of these are prayers that I will sit and do myself and just help me to really connect with Jesus. I think, you know, 7 to 12, they can they can do it on their own, but, you know, even it could be done um, with a parent or a grandparent um, at, at, at bedtime, you know, as a bedtime prayer time, and that would open the doors to, to younger children being able to take some of these prayers because they're they're not complicated prayers. They're not you know they're they're reflective. They're um they imaginative. Many of them are imaginative, and so younger children can do it. And and like you're saying, you know again, I've had people adults tell me yes yes uh, uh, because it's it's child friendly language. It's inviting yeah for them to come in and pray.
1: And I love Melissa that you know in the book you encourage the children to journal or draw and i am a big proponent in that too because the brain does remember more when you write things down and helps it gives you clarity can you speak to us about that too
2: yes um journaling has been a big part of my own personal prayer life and so um you know it's an i think it gives children a chance to express themselves in a different way It, it gives them a chance to have you know um a chance to go back and, and look and watch, you know, God answering or, or, or their um, their prayers or working through their prayer, you know, their prayer request over time,
5: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I just think it, you know, it's it, it's a certain the way certain children learn too. Like you said, they they um, it sticks in their brain more um, for those who are who are children who like to write.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful. And and even drawing, you know, sometimes you just need that visual uh to draw the picture and help you uh understand what you're doing.
2: Yes. Yes. And I'm I'm big on webs too, like yeah. putting something in the middle and then webbing my prayers out from there. Um and it just you know I just think the visual the visual um to be able well to draw and write yeah for
1: sure yeah how can adults um we talked about this i I think it's a wonderful book but how can we adults benefit from this book, book especially those who never grew up with adoration i mean even though i grew up catholic right and i do adoration i participate in adoration all the time now but i didn't grow up in adoration and there's maybe adults listening who have never been to adoration what would you say to them melissa i'd say the book
2: um as into the book or just in how the book can help them or
1: um yeah how the book can help but like you know for somebody who's never listening who's never been to adoration and they're an adult what would you say to them how can the book help them
2: so i think the book lays it out what is adoration it very much defines what adoration is in an inviting way and it also will talk about we, we call it in the book Adoration Behaviors, but it's basically etiquette of what you do when you go into adoration that, you know, you genuflect when you go in on two knees. You look at Jesus as you do the sign of the cross. And, and I think those would give anybody, adults included, the confidence to go into adoration and not be worried about, okay, am I doing this right? And what am I supposed to do? You know, and... And so I think the book kind of helps them do that. And we're talking about it's not—it's not complicated language; it's it's child-friendly language, but it's not watered down. Yeah. So it makes it inviting um, Mm -hmm. because you know when it just—I think children's language makes things inviting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the book, Jesus and Me, talking with my greatest friend with the author, Melissa Kirking here today. It's available at avimariaradio.net. Go to our bookstore. It's a great gift to give somebody. And Melissa, I know it's available at Ascension as well. And I think this is a great tool for a parenting group. You know, um, there I know there's parenting prayer groups, mom prayer groups. This is a great book uh, for any parents to discuss about and and take their kids to Eucharistic adoration together.
2: Yes, absolutely. That would be such a a cool way of doing that within a, a prayer group, a mom's prayer group.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can make almost like a, a field trip for the children, you know what I mean? We're going to go pray with Jesus, we're going to write down or draw our thoughts and get, get some clarity, and then we'll go out and have some ice cream, or, you know what I mean? There's a fun way to do this, right?
2: Yes, yes, cause at our parish we have monthly adoration where I guide the children, and, and in that particular one, we always end with cookies and juice afterwards, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. And so,
1: and,
2: yeah, and then we have a family uh, quiet but not silent adoration when the prayer materials are there for the the family. So, yes, that would be a
1: great way. Melissa, thank you for joining us here on Catholic Connection. Jesus and me talking with my greatest friend. We'll be right back after the break.
4: Father Benedict Rochelle. Some great people have shown respect for God. Can I read you a little quotation from Albert Einstein, who many times showed a great respect for religion and was one of the great admirers of Pope Pius XII for his stand against the Holocaust during the Second World War. Einstein wrote, "...the fairest thing we can experience is the mysterious." is the fundamental emotion that stands at the cradle of all true art and science. A knowledge of the existence of something we can't penetrate. Of the manifestations of the profoundest reason and the most radiant beauty, which are only accessible to our minds in the most elementary form. It is this knowledge and this emotion that constitute the truly religious attitude. Oh my, so beautifully said.
5: The people you know and trust are on EWTN. For Christians, love was central to everything because before the creation of the universe, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lived in all eternity, communicating in love between themselves. This is going on before there's ever a moment that we refer to as in the beginning. So Christianity introduces into the history of human thought this idea that love is underneath it all. In fact, Luke Berry, this atheist uh, philosopher, writer, says it's quite clear that without this Christian belief that love is at the center of things, we would not have our human rights revolution that we talk about today. We take this for granted. You know, we have gay rights and women's rights and transgender rights and minority rights and this right and that right. There'd be no rights whatsoever without the incarnate Son of God. Cresta
3: in the Afternoon, Weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio.
1: Here on Catholic Connection, Vanessa Denha Garmo filling in for my dear sister, Teresa Tamio, here this morning. Happy to be with all of you. Michael News has been a guest here on uh, Ave Maria Radio and my show, Teresa's show. He's a senior associate scholar, Charlotte Lozer Institute. And, Michael, you're here joining us to talk with us about this new Gallup poll that came out on June 14th regarding abortion. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. So let's let, give us an overview about this new Gallup poll that came out on uh, just last week.
6: Right. The news is actually pretty good for pro lifers. I mean, during uh, 2022, uh, we faced quite a lot of negative media coverage. Uh, that after the Dobbs decision, uh, there was a real backlash amongst our friends in the mainstream media. So I was not expecting this poll to go well. But in actuality, it did. Uh, this poll actually shows that. During the past year, there was a 5 percentage point gain in pro-life sentiment. Uh, Mm -hmm. 44% of Americans identify as pro-life. There's a 3 percentage point gain in the percentage of Americans who think abortion is morally wrong. And the poll also shows a plurality think abortion should be legal in only a few circumstances or illegal in all circumstances. So uh, this poll does show that we interestingly made some gains in the core public opinion in 2023
1: so how is this valuable to us in the pro-life movement is it telling us why we made these gains what effort has been helpful i mean what what how does this intel help us move forward
6: i mean one thing i will say is it just shows that you know our support is very durable uh that uh, even when we face headwinds whether it be from the media from the broader culture you know, people still find merit in our arguments. You know that uh, we don't need to uh, be despondent. Uh, you know, the 2022 elections didn't always go uh, the way we wanted them to, uh, but uh, you know we should be uh, resilient. You know that uh, these polls show that there's a lot of support out there for the pro-life position. You know, not everyone agrees with us, obviously, uh, but there is a lot of support out there, and a lot of the incremental things we want, you know, pull very well. You know, that 55 uh, percent of Americans, the majority, uh, do not th- think abortion should be generally illegal you know, after the first trimester. 71 uh, percent think abortion should be generally illegal after the third trimester. So for a lot of the incremental things we want, we have very strong public support
1: and and yeah it's it's wonderful public support michael are you surprised that these gallup studies such as this doesn't get the um publicity or the media attention um that you know i i personally think it should this is a i think this is a good report but it doesn't seem to get the media attention that i think it deserves
6: well it's interesting i mean the media is uh, kind of focusing on some other questions in this gallup poll I yeah you it's kind of interesting. They're trying to spin the results as, you know, gain support for legal abortion. And on a few policy issues, you know, pro-lifers did lose, you know, a little bit of ground. But on the pro-life, pro-choice question, which is the question that usually gets most of the media coverage, again, we gained five points. Yeah. On the question, is abortion morally wrong? We gained three points. So the media is always going to try to spin the results, try to give the impression there's a very strong majority out there in favor of legal abortion. But the polling numbers never really back
1: that up. Yeah, we're talking with Michael New here, senior associate scholar, Charlotte Lozier Institute. So, when you get this information, you know, I, I mean, it's great sharing it with us uh, too, Michael, and having these reports and these studies out there. But how do you incorporate that in the work that you do with Charlotte Lozier Institute? I mean, is this valuable information for you, or what do you do with it moving forward?
6: You know, public opinion is you know always important to us. I mean, there's never been a social movement that I'm aware of uh, that's been hurt. By gaining in the core public opinion. I mean, you know, public opinion is not everything, uh, but it's not nothing either. You know, we also want to give some support to, uh, you know, Republican and other pro-life candidates. You know, we want to show that pro-life laws are both good policy uh, and good politics. And you know, right now. There is a lot of internal debate amongst Republicans about what to do at the federal level. Uh, sadly, you have some Republicans just want to wash their hands of this issue and let states, you know, pass pro-life laws. Me and my friends at Susan B. Anthony List and other Beltway pro-lifers, we think all levels of government have a responsibility to protect pre-born children. So these polls can tell, give us some ammunition when we meet with elected officials and candidates that, hey, there is a strong you know, pro-life uh, plurality, even majority, out there uh, that a lot of the things we want, the 15-week ban, the incremental things – do enjoy strong public support so you don't need to be afraid you know we can move forward at the federal level with strong pro-life laws and there will not be a big voter backlash you know many Mm -hmm. voters will be receptive
1: So I'm going to go to this stat. 55% think second trimester abortions should be generally illegal. 70% think third trimester abortions should be generally illegal. And the reason I bring this up, Michael, I had a recent discussion on this issue um, at the policy conference at Mackinac Island. And this came up because, you know, the governor in the state of Michigan used abortion uh, as a way saying that it's going to help with population, it's going to help with their economy, because people will come and move in our state because we allow abortion, which is so crazy that, you know, we're thinking of growing the population by killing babies. It, it just, it's just so, uh, th- that that thought process doesn't make sense to me. But um, the reason I bring this up, because the argument ensued saying, oh, that the, the, those second and third trimester abortions never happen. You know, that that is just a ploy by the pro-lifers, those, those never happen. I mean, not even to acknowledge that people are having abortions in the second and third trimester is part of their part of a defense. It's kind of mind boggling.
6: Right. I mean, we have data on this. I mean, the CDC yeah. has data. Guttmacher has data. I mean, there are you know tens of thousands of abortions that happen every year after the first trimester. I mean, there are abortions that happen every year uh, post viability, uh, which is—I mean—always yeah. tragic. But I think that's yeah. especially tragic. So, I mean, yeah, we have data on this. You know, the other side just can't pretend uh, it's not happening. You know, there's data from you know the states and the federal government showing that these you know, abortions after the first trimester—you know—do in fact happen.
1: Yeah, they do. And it, and it, and here in the state of Michigan, with Proposal 3, we have abortion uh, on demand for any reason up until birth. Uh, I mean, that's what Proposal 3 gave us with so many other things happening. So that's why these. I think the Scallop study is so important, because it shows you where the majority stand on these issues with abortion, uh, even though we've passed laws like Proposal, proposal 3 in the state of Michigan.
6: Right, and I think this is important for people in other states. That The other side seems very eager to use direct democracy to make abortion policy even more permissive. And ballot campaigns are tough for pro-lifers. And the reason why is there's a lot of research that shows that the side that wins is often the side that raises and spends the most money. Yeah. And abortion, tragically, is a multi-billion dollar industry in this country. And the other side is typically better than we are at raising money and spending money. But, you know, I think we can learn from what happened in Michigan and elsewhere. I mean, now there's going to be, uh, you know, a ballot question very likely on the ballot in Ohio. And I think that the people there have been very strategic. They are framing this as a parent's rights issue. You know, they made it very clear that if this ballot proposition gets through, that
1: could undo parental voting laws.
6: You know, that well, that's so what we haunted. got.
1: That's what we got in Proposal Three here. I mean, yeah, we absolutely. have lost parental rights here, and mm-hmm. I, I really believe that if we had more time in the state of Michigan, Proposal Three would have been shot down. But just what we, time was against us, and it wasn't properly positioned in public in the pub, public platform in enough time during the election. But, yeah, we lost, I mean, it took away parental consent in a lot of areas when it came to abortion, birth control, uh, hormone therapy, all that stuff. If a, if, a, if a school counselor or a coach wants to take a kid to go get any of that without a parental consent, they can do that, and a parent can't do anything about it. That's what we have with Proposal 3. Michael New, we got to take a break. We'll come back, and I'll continue this conversation with you about this new Gallup study on abortion right after the break. Stay with us, everyone.
0: Hi,
5: I'm Al Cresta. Our generation is the first in human history to widely reject that life has any overarching purpose. Morality is considered relative, and we're even uncertain about what it means to be a man or a woman. Catholics at this time need to be awake, not woke. Sit down with Renewal Ministries' Peter Herbeck and I for an extended conversation with Noel Maring, author of Awake, Not Woke. It's available on the Renewal Ministries' YouTube page or in the slider at AveMariaRadio.net. This
7: July 4th from Angel Studios, who brought you His Only Son and the Chosen, comes a true story of courage and redemption. Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, who portrayed Jesus in The Passion, and Academy Award winner Mira Sorvino. Inspired by remarkable acts of bravery, Sound of Freedom unveils the true events of a dangerous mission to save young, innocent lives. A story that shares hope and the power of human resilience. Sound of Freedom, rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13.
5: Only in theaters July 4th. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com.
1: We've been talking to Michael New here on Catholic Connections. Senior Associate Scholar at Charlotte Lozier Institute about a new Gallup study regarding abortion. Uh, Michael, give our listeners an overview about the work you do at the Charlotte Lozier Institute.
6: Yeah, sure. The uh, Los Institute is the research and education arm of Susan B. Anthony uh, Pro-Life America. So uh, we do a lot of kind of you know academic and policy research on sanctity of life issues. I work on the social science, so mm-hmm. I write about things like abortion trends, impact of pro-life laws, contraception programs, public opinion. Uh, I write for both popular audiences and I write for academic audiences. And I joke that I am lots of fun at cocktail parties.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Michael, I want to go back to what's going on in Ohio and the Proposal Three in the state of Michigan, because we know that one of the big, one of the biggest things that the pro-lifers were trying to explain during that campaign was that if this was getting passed in the state of Michigan other states were going to look at to what happened here and unfortunately we were not we weren't able to defeat it now it's in our constitution and you talked about Ohio you know why is this such a explain to our listeners why this is such a concern uh and why we're we're paying attention to these new proposals across the country that kind of followed proposal three here in the state of Michigan
6: sure I mean in the aftermath of the Dobbs decision uh life lifers have enjoyed a lot of success legislatively uh, we are actually protecting preborn children in 14 states right now, and there is four other states where we're not able to protect all preborn children, but we do have a gestational age limit in place, which protects the preborn, you know, after a certain stage in development. The other side, you know, is pushing back and pushing back pretty aggressively. And one way they're trying to take away these gains we've made is through the ballot box. Uh, mm-hmm. They're putting these uh, proposals on the ballot in many states. Uh, they did so in California and Vermont and Michigan uh, back in two thousand and twenty two and they 're looking to do the same thing in Ohio and possibly other states in two thousand and twenty four and Again, ballot propositions can be challenging for pro lifers that again, I have a background in political science, and there 's a lot of research that shows that again money plays a big role in who wins, and the other side you know is wealthy you know they yeah. put tens of millions of dollars into these things. You know, pro-lifers often are not blessed with abundant material resources, uh, and that makes it difficult for us to compete in some cases. So, again, we, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the pro-lifers of Michigan. We, you know, gained ground in the polls. I think there's the old uh, Vince Lombardi quote, I've never lost a game, sometimes I have run out of time. And I think it's happened to in Michigan. I mean, we weren't getting in the polls, and if we had another week or two, it might have worked out differently. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that proposition did get through, and the Michigan Constitution is amended in such a way that abortion is legally protected. We don't want to see this in other states. And I think that when people in other states see what happens in Michigan, they're going to have second thoughts. You know, yeah. just, you know the parental involvement law in Michigan is going to be jeopardized. Yeah. I think there's a chance the Michigan State Medicaid program it's going to have to pay for elective abortions. So that means that you know, the taxpayer dollars of people in Michigan will pay to abort healthy children. That is not something that most Americans want. So uh, you know, Michigan has to be the eyes and ears of the rest of the pro-life movement. Uh, I think you need to warn people in other states that these ballot propositions are not what their supporters claim they are. You know, they're radical. You know, they would legalize yeah. abortions for all nine months. They would take away parental involvement rights they would possibly require taxpayer dollars to pay for abortion. So again, these are things that most Americans do not want.
1: You know, and I want to add to that, and the reason the other side is so rich, think about this, they get a half a billion dollars of taxpayer dollars, Planned Parenthood, half a billion, and they go around and they use that money and they support pro-abortion candidates. So our taxpayer dollars are really funding candidates in a lot of ways because of the taxpayer dollars they get from us. I mean, its, it's just, it just makes no sense, really, to be honest with you. Right.
6: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's tragically 17 states whose Medicaid programs uh, pay for, for abortion because of the Hyde Amendment. Thankfully, our federal taxpayer dollars, by and large, don't go to elective abortions. And you know, I want yeah. to thank the Republicans in the House of Senate for holding the line. Uh, President Biden ended years of precedent. Even Democratic presidents, you know, even President Clinton, even President Obama, wouldn't touch the Hyde Amendment. But President Biden, every budget he's submitted, uh, has called for the repeal of the Hyde Amendment. So yeah. President Biden, again, no, he wants to keep abortion legal. He wants your tax dollars and my tax dollars to pay for it. So, yeah. again, now, this is not something that you know, Americans want. Uh, the taxpayer dollars a Planned parent gets you know, is fungible. Even if the money isn't directly going to abortion, indirectly does subsidize abortion. So yeah. that's something that pro-lifers keep have to be pushing back on.
1: Yeah. Michael, we have an- one minute left with you here on Catholic Connection. What else do you want to share with our listeners before we let you go?
6: Well, we have a lot of exciting things happening in Washington, D.C. this weekend. Uh, Everyone, make sure you celebrate. June 24th, Saturday, is the one-year anniversary of Dobbs. So if you can come to D.C., we'd love to have you. Uh, We have a big rally in front of the Lincoln Memorial at 10 a.m., Vice President Pence is speaking. So, uh, again, everyone's invited to D.C. for a big rally, a big celebration. Uh, We've scored a great victory. We still have a lot of work to do. We should celebrate the victory because we worked hard for this.
1: Great. Thank you so much, Michael New, for joining us here on Catholic Connection, Senior Associate Scholar, Charlotte Lozier Institute. Thank you for being with us.
6: Oh, thanks for having me.
1: And thanks for all of our guests for joining us here on Catholic Connection. a very packed show uh, here this last couple hours, and it was a pleasure filling in for Teresa Tamio, uh, Dear Sister in Christ. Of course, thank you to Brogan McNeese and Helen Van Wingarden here, and then uh, in this national hour, Melissa Kirking and her wonderful book, Uh, Jesus and Me, Talking with My Greatest Friend. This is a wonderful book from Ascension Press, also available at AveMariaRadio.net in our bookstore. I think it would be a great book to get parents who are part of a prayer group, a parenting group. Uh, and, and and a wonderful gift to give uh, children, maybe at their communion, uh, their first communion, their baptism, uh, 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 maybe a birth, uh, uh, a baby shower. It's a it's a wonderful gift. And of course, Michael New, senior associate scholar, at Charlotte Loser Institute, for joining us here in Catholic Connection. Vanessa Denhagarmo, host of Epiphany, twelve noon Eastern Time here in Detroit at Ave Maria Radio. Thanks for letting me fill in for Teresa
3: with Teresa Tamio.
2: Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.
1: Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit avemariaradio.net. That's a v e Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.